What is up guys and welcome back to another episode of Bleeding BNG. So guys, we have a lot in store for you today. So unfortunately for my YouTube fam, you guys, if you missed episode 15, we had some visual troubles, some troubles with our webcam and our cameras and things like that. So I apologize for that, but you can always tap into that episode on all podcast platforms. I'm talking about Apple Podcasts, I'm talking about Spotify, Google Play Podcasts, everywhere that you can get podcasts at this point. Bleeding BNG is available. So like I said, I'm sorry for my YouTube fam, my podcast fam called All the Gems from Episode 15, and we have a lot more gems in store for Episode 16. So today we're going to cover some OTA news and notes as the Washington football team had their first OTA session, first of three. Matter of fact, first of two, because news came out today that Coach Rivera actually canceled the third um, the third um, stages of OTAs, which I believe was uh, for the weeks of June 9th. Um, if I got my dates correct, so I do want to timestamp this episode as I do for every episode, guys. Today is Wednesday, May 27th, and it is about 7.30 p.m. So um, the Washington football team wrapped up their first OTA session um, today. No, they didn't wrap it up. They're wrapping, they'll be wrapping it up tomorrow, um, Friday. But I just want to cover some news and notes that have been coming out of Redskin Park so far. Excuse me, Ashburn or Inova Sports Center. Excuse me. Don't want to use that sacred R word uh, with you guys. But um, out at um, Inova Park, um, because there were a lot of news and notes that came out over the course of this week. So the first um, order of business that I do want to cover is that 86 of the potential 90 players um, that could have joined um, the team at the facilities on Monday were actually there, um, ready to work. Some notables that weren't there is um, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. So our bookend DM franchise cornerstone du um, duo both decided they didn't want to be there, and Stephen Sims Jr. was also. So absent at the um, OT at the first OTA session as well. Um, news later came out that um, Stephen Sims Jr. had a family emergency and that he was going to be returning today. Uh, but I, ne I haven't necessarily heard anything from him um, today. Um, but. Um, Let's move on to um, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. So news hasn't really come out on Chase Young or Montez Sweat, but um, I saw a lot of people um, regarding in the, in the Washington football team media kind of making a big deal out of this. Um, and then I saw some people like J.P. Finley and John Cam didn't read too much into it. And I'm kind of leaning on that side of not reading too much into it. While I do want players to join their teammates and somebody such, especially like a captain like Chase Young, who was um, elected a captain towards late last year in his rookie season. But that's one of the reasons why I don't think that it's this big of a deal because Chase showed those elite leadership traits as a rookie. And, you know, Chase is a, is a superstar. You know, he's probably the biggest name on the roster at this point. He probably has the most sponsorships and he probably has some media obligations. He sat with Clutch Sports. You know, he's the biggest name on our roster at this point. Um, it was a, He was posting on his Instagram a couple days ago on his story that he was actually doing a media shoot. I saw a bunch of watches. I don't know about that watch sponsorship. But you got to think, this is a guy who had his own signature line with Under Armour as a rookie. And Under Armour is not a, a company that's too 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 shabby in the football world. You know, they have the likes of Tom Brady. You know, in the basketball world, they have the likes of Stephen Curry. So as far as brand apparel and sporting apparel for Chase Young to have a signature line with his own logo and things like that with Under Armour as a rookie is truly special. So we don't know if he has those media obligations, but one thing that I can assure you is Chase wor is working. Uh, that was one thing that I loved about him through, through college, through the pre-draft, and throughout the season. He showed he's one of the 
the biggest workers, the, the 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 hardest workers on the team. And I think that was one of the reasons that he was elected captaincy um, to for the Washington football team late in his rookie um, season. So, guys, I think I want to correct my timestamp. Actually, it is Thursday, May twenty seventh. Um, but that's regarding. Um, let's get back to the news regarding our bookend defensive ends. Um, regarding Montez Sweat as well, I'm not really worried about Montez Sweat as well because one thing that Montez Sweat has shown me is that he actually loves football. We got to think about the trials and tribulations that Montez. Sweat has faced just to get here. He's somebody that had to change positions. I think he started out as a tight end um, at Michigan State, and it didn't work out there. He went to Mississippi, Mississippi, Mississippi excuse me, tongue twister there, Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-S-S, you know, uh, Mississippi State, and he balled out once he made that transition to defensive end, you know, um, and he showed that he loves football. Um, that was one thing I remember him in his pre-draft interview. He always harped on that. He always wanted to make sure that people knew that he loved the game of football and we, he will do anything for it. So I'm not necessarily too worried about those guys. Steven Sims Jr. on the other hand, I am kind of concerned about him. But like I told you guys in our mock-off season episode, I don't think Steven Sims Jr. is going to make the roster this year. Steven Sims Jr. had a very promising rookie year, but he's regressed. And, you know, those stories are a dime a dozen in the NFL. Somebody, you know, that the NFL necessarily wasn't on their radar. And, you know, somebody that breaks out. And Steven Sims Jr. didn't necessarily break out. If you look at those numbers, they're rather pedestrian before the expectations of an undrafted free agent uh, from Kansas. You know, he did pretty well, you know, balling out in the last game against the Dallas in his um, rookie season. But he had a huge regression. Um, he had a huge regression in his sophomore season. And it almost like it started from a jump. I think he had a fumble punt return in week two against the Panthers and he could just never get back on track. I think he got injured in that game as well and he never seemed to be fully 100%. He didn't have that cat-like quickness that we saw um, in his rookie season. I can't recall the number of times that I saw um, Steven Sims Jr. getting locked down in the flats last year. And you know, that was kind of that was kind of the, the, the read on his draft pro, uh, profile and that's kind of the reason that he didn't necessarily get drafted because he's not necessarily a super explosive athlete while he does look very quick and very twitchy he's somebody that tapped out near four six you know um and i'm not saying that's necessarily the indicator for success but you know being 160 to 75 pounds being generous and somebody that's five eight you know him having that um promising rookie season was you know something to build upon and he did not do that as a sophomore um in his second year so you know those stories like i said are Diamond doesn't, and he's a fringe guy. He's somebody that's on the roster. You got to think about all the receivers that we bought in this season, from Curtis Samuel, our big money signing, to Adam Humphrey, to bring in the in Deami Brown. You know, I think that those three have their uh, roster spot solidified over Stephen Sims Jr. at this point, and not necessarily because you know a guy like Adam Humphrey is this old world renowned, you know, highly touted wide receiver, but he has chemistry and he has history with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, Adam Humphrey's best years, we had near a thousand yards came when he was playing um, with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you guys got to think, relationships matter in this league. And you know, Steven Sims Jr. doesn't necessarily know Ryan Fitzpatrick from a can of paint. We know they invested, you know, high draft capital in De'Ami Brown with the 78th pick, uh, with the 78th pick in the third round. And then they adjusted money capital or actual capital with Curtis Samuel. And you know, that's the Terry McLaurin. 
isn't going anywhere. And we have more on Terry McLaurin coming later in this episode. So I suggest that you stay tuned. So going back to our OTA news and notes, um, some of the news that are some of the notes that actually came out um, from a lot of numerous sources. So I don't want to credit just one. These are some of the things that I saw consistent and some things that I jotted down because I was like, all right, a different reporter said this and, you know, it's consistent with what another reporter said. So they must be saying the same thing and this must be prevalent in practice. So um, Curtis Samuel um, was, was allegedly involved a lot in the offense. You know, um, Curtis Samuel had his best year with the Carolina Panthers this past season, but that was some, that was when he was with a different coaching staff than the one that he's brought in with um, with Scott Turner and Ron Rivera. You know, he didn't necessarily excel until this past season. Now, I do want to give you guys a disclaimer. If you go look at the last four games of the 2019 season, I believe, when Scott Turner actually had, had the rounds and actually called all the offensive plays for the Carolina Panthers late in that year, Curtis Samuel's numbers actually went up. So it might not have been, you know, a Scott Turner problem other than, you know, a North Turner or the other offensive coordinators that were um, coaching under Ron Rivera at that point. Because if you go back and look at those 2019 season numbers, the last four games, remember, Bleeding B&G gave you this, the most in-depth, the most insight for the Washington football team. Go look at the last four games of Curtis Samuel in the 2019 season. That's actually the only games that Scott Turner actually um actually called the plays for the Carolina Panthers. So go look at his numbers. So Scott Turner, he's, he's come off as a guy that actually knows how to use this weapon, Curtis Samuel. And that's what I'm going to call him, a weapon. Remember in our last episode, I didn't necessarily think that he was a boundary receiver. So somebody like De'Ami Brown, I was ecstatic about grabbing in the draft. But he is a weapon. And he might be the most explosive player on the team. And that's saying a lot with a roster that holds, you know, holds um, the likes of, you know, Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. But you got to think, remember what... Curtis Samuel did to us, what, just this past season. He killed us at running back. And he had near 1,000 yards this season. So he's a weapon to say the least. You know, he he's, he, what, 4 3 four, 40. He has a stocky build where he can handle those touches at running back. And he's actually the reason why I think we keep seven wide receivers on the roster, on the roster and three running backs. Because you can use Curtis Samuel if need be. He can be that fourth running back. I think that third running back spot is going to be a battle between the likes of Jared Patterson and Lamar Miller with J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson locking up the two and number one spot, respectively. So, you know, um, we can use Curtis as our back and he might be the most electric player coming out the backfield no shade to jd or antonio gibson but curtis samuel is just that special and he sold some of them traits under you know scott turner's play calling late in their 2019 season please go back because you know bleeding b and g sent you there first yes yes we did yes we did yes we did um so like i said i, I love the curtis i love hearing that about curtis samuel because that shows that we're getting a new mo more modern offense one thing that i did like about scott turner's offense last season it, it was adaptable week by week but it was very modern and it stayed very modern throughout the season a lot of rpos a lot of bubble screens a lot of passes at the line of scrimmage and you know that he wants to go deep you know like i told you guys when we signed ryan fitzpatrick they paired and when we signed curtis samuel they paired the best deep threat wide receiver in the nfl this past season with the best deep ball thrower in the nfl this past season and curtis samuel and guess what i never even dropped this gem on you Deami Brown, by the numbers, excuse me, by the numbers, Deami Brown was the best deep threat receiver in the draft this um, this past season. Coming from North Carolina, UNC, averaging over 20 yards a catch. So you got to think, the Washington the Washington football team offense that was very pedestrian last season, I collaborated with my guys Tay and Todd um, on a... On, it was mostly their work, but I, you know, I gave some suggestions on the rating the quarterback play from um, the 2020 season, this past season, and it was pu 
putrid. It was putrid. I had to argue them guys down that Alex Smith was pretty good in the Detroit Lions game. And I think that was the only good game that we had. So go back and check that those guys' posts out. But, you know, you're pairing up the, the best deep ball thrower in the NFL when he did play in Ryan Fitzpatrick last season with the best deep, throw, deep ball receiver in the NFL this past season and Curtis Samuel with the best deep ball receiver in the draft, De'Ami Brown. What do you think we're going to be doing this offseason? Or this whole season? What do you think we were prepping for this? It's going to be a track meet, guys. It's going to be a track meet. And we're going to be looking to go deep. And I am excited about it. I am very excited about it. That's why I got those season tickets, man. Catch me in section 139. I'm there every week. Hey, hey, going back to some OTA news and notes. So, um, the Washington football team, man. Just, let's, let's, change, let's change up a tone a little bit. Let's get a little somber. Um, Troy Appy, I don't know what to say to you, brother. This looks like your last resort, my man. I love you. I love the speed. I love the reaction you got from Deion Sanders when you ran that 40. But it didn't cut it at safety, and now they're trying you at corner. And the news and notes coming out of the first day of OTAs. The first impression you can make, you getting burnt by De'Ami Brown on a deep post? On a deep ball? Like, bro! Like, bro! Troy! Troy! I want you on the team because you're a Madden legend, bro! For all my Madden players, Troy Apke is a dog in Madden. He sucks in real life. He sucks in real life. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. News and notes coming in. They, they changing your position. You out here running a 4-3 with 6-1. You got great measurables, but you're getting torched by a rookie in the first day, first day of OTAs. Troy. 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 I got to talk to you like your father right now. Troy. Let's get it together, Troy. I need to use you in Madden 22, Troy. Even if it's just special teams, you're a pretty good gunner with that 94 speed. My man players know what I'm talking about. But let's get back to real life. The last news and note that I want to give on OTA is that the tempo seemed to be fast. The tempo seemed to be fast, and a lot of the reporters were hopping on it. Um, a lot of reporters were saying the same things that, you know, hey, they ended practice six minutes early because they ran out of work. And I think that's the result of, you know, having quarterbacks that know the plays and Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke and then having a veteran that's seen almost every playbook. Uh, you know, Chan Gailey aside, you know, he's been with Chan Gailey three other stops and Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's seen every playbook with the multitude of teams that he's been on. So I think that's one of the reasons that the uh, tempo in practice was fast and also that, you know, we have faster players. So it's going to look faster. We're more explosive. We're more explosive. One last note that I want to leave you guys with um, for regarding OTAs is that Charles Leno actually wasn't there, but the news and notes came, I mean, news came out that he wasn't there because of the um, birth of his newborn baby. Um, he's supposed to be supposed to be joining the team tomorrow, um, but in his place, um, Washington actually had uh, Sadiq Charles um, getting some reps at left tackle, which I'm very excited about. I still am hot on Sadiq Charles. He dominated edge rushes in the SEC as a left tackle, so moving him into um, a left guard where his athletic profile would even be more elite, you know, where he's in more shorter spaces and he doesn't necessarily have to move as much. I'm very excited about that, but him showing that versatility coming out and playing that left tackle shows that he's he's uh, I told you guys I, I didn't know about you know where his roster stance was or where he stood his good standing on the roster but you know him showing that versatility I feel pretty confident that he's going to get a chance to contribute this season after playing I think two snaps this um, last past season so that's it for the OTA news and notes I do want to get into some major news some major NFL news um, and that's Julio Jones has become available or he's been available for a while but you know he got on that thing with Oklahoma State 
up on that undisputed. And you know, I don't know if Uncle Shay Sharp set him up. Hey, if y'all listening to this, let me know what you think. Did you think Shannon Sharp set up Julio? You think Julio knew he was on Undisputed Live when he told him that he was out of Atlanta because he wanted to win? But let's go back to Julio Jones. Just give me give me your opinion. Leave it in the comments for my YouTube fam. You can leave it in the ratings in the comments for my Apple Podcast or wherever you can leave feedback. What did y'all think? Did y'all think that Julio got set up by Uncle Shay Shay? Let me know. But regarding Julio Jones, he is available and he's said to be had at a fairly reasonable price. Um, I think Bill Burnwell said that he looked to be had for like a second and a fourth. And before I heard that news, like that news made me ecstatic. I would give up a second and a fourth for Julio Jones in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. I got Julio Jones. Like, like, like I'm Usain Bolton to the to the phone. Like, I'm, I'm Julio Jones, bro. The best receiver of the past decade? I don't care. He's 32 years old. There's been plenty of receivers that had plenty of great years that they the, after the age of 32, and they weren't Julio Jones. They weren't Julio Jones at all. I asked I'm giving up a second and a fourth. Don't ask me. Don't ask me am I giving up a second and a fourth for Julio Jones because I'm telling you, yes. Like I told you guys, this is the window for this defense. Great defenses don't stay along, don't stay around forever. Look what happened to Seattle. One of the best defenses we saw in the last 20 years. They don't stay around forever anymore because you got to pay that quarterback. And everybody harping it for a franchise quarterback. And I was during the draft process and during the draft season. But this is our window. We don't know how long we're going to have these defensive tackles. John Allen is said to be to look to be signing a big contract. Matt Ioannidis got his big contract last year. So where does that leave room for Deron Pay? You let me know. Because I think he's the most promising out of all of them. He just turned 24 today. Happy birthday, Deron. But this is crazy. This is crazy. Like, yes, I'm giving up a second and a fourth for Julio Jones. Quiet as kept. Before I heard that article from Bill Barwell, I was giving up a second and Matt Ioannidis. Debate your mother. Don't debate me. Debate your mother. Debate, like, like, yes, it's Julio Jones. It's who, bro, it's Julio Jones. It's Quintoris Lopez Jones. Yeah, that's my, yes, the best receiver in the last decade, over AB, over whoever you want to call it. I don't care how injury prone he's been. He's going to come on this roster and he'll be the best player on this offense. Yes, I said it at 32 years old. We're not about to do that. We're not about to do that. I saw a lot of people on Twitter and in the Washington football team community get like, oh, I don't, I don't know, he's been very injury. Bro, shut up, bro. And I don't ever get like that. And I don't ever like getting like that. But, bro, do y'all hear yourselves, bro? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want an NFL Hall of Fame receiver. Oh, he, he, yeah, he, what, 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 what? He, he better than any receiver we had. But, you know, that was just last season. He was still better than any receiver we had. But I don't want him on our roster because he's 32. Bro, bro, bro. That's how y'all sound. And I can't deal with it. I can't, I can't. So, yes, Bill Burnwell, thank you for that, that gem. Go check out the Bill Burnwell article re- regarding Julio Jones where he said, you know, NFL teams, hey, hey, they're not giving up no first-round pick despite all the re- reports coming out. Man, they know that they're cap-strapped. They know that the Atlanta Falcons are cap-strapped. They can't even sign the draft picks until they do anything with Julio or any other name. They're trying to give up Grady Jarrett, their best defensive player. Sound like they tanking to me. Like, like, yeah, like, yes, yes, I'm giving up a second and a fourth for Julio Jones. The window is now. And I think the best point that I made so far is how long do we expect this defense to be around? 
Montez Sweat coming off a nine-sack season in his second year. Chase Young being the name. I just told you he's a superstar in his second year. He's going to get the bag. Montez Sweat is projected to get the bag. Deron Payne is projected to get the bag. And we just signed our first-round draft pick. Who's, who, who, if you go listen to Matt Miller, is projected to be the next Patrick Willis. You go listen to, Dan, to Daniel Jeremiah. He's going to have a, a Darius Leonard type season. So how, how much money do you think he's going to get, be, be getting when his, his contract's up? This defense, NFL defenses don't stay good for long, guys. So we got to capitalize on this window. And that's the biggest reason why I would sign Julio Jones, who is still a top flight receiver in the NFL at this point, at 32 years old. Now, the moment we all been waiting for. So I told you that I was going to talk about Terry McCorn later in our episode. And this is the reason why. So Pro Football Focus, Pro Football Focus, excuse me, PFF, last week actually came out with their list of the top 32 receivers going into the 2021 season. And Pro Football Focus, I love you. I love y'all. I refer to you, I refer to you guys for a lot of things. Not everything, but you guys have a, a lot of information, a lot of good information that you guys give out. I know you guys get bashed a lot, but I'm not, I'm not one of them. But guess what? I'm bashing this list, bro. I'm bashing this list. I'm bashing this list. So I'm going to run down the top 20, and then I'm going to go in. I'm going to go in. I'm going to go in. So before I go down the list, I want you guys as the Washington football team community think or think about as I go through this list, where does Terry McLaurin rank amongst the NFL's elite receivers? Where does he rank? I'll give you about 10 seconds because he's in his top 20. All right, let's get to this list. All right, so number one is Devontae Adams. I'm not mad at that. Dog, dog. We had like 20 touchdowns this past season. It was crazy. But he's also playing with Aaron Rodgers. Number two is DeAndre Hopkins. Number three is Tyreek Hill. Number four is Allen Robinson. Number five is Julio Jones. Number six, A.J. Brown. Okay. Number seven, Michael Thomas. Slant boy. Number eight, Stephon Diggs. DMV legend. My guy. Number nine, Adam Thielen. Number 10, Justin Jefferson. Number 11, Calvin Ridley. Number 12 and number 13, a pair of Tampa Bay Buccaneers receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, respectfully. I like those guys. Number 14, Amari Cooper. Number 15, DK Metcalf. Number 16, Keenan Allen. Number 17, number freaking 17. I think they just gave it to him because his jersey number, if we're being honest. Pro Football Focus, you can challenge me on that. But I'm just a messenger. Terry McLaurin. Scary Terry McLaurin. The 17th best receiver in the NFL. Number 18, Odell Beckham. Number 19, Kenny Galladay. Number 20, Corey Davis. So I just ran through the list of the top 20 with our guy, Scary Terry McLaurin. Falling in between, falling behind Keenan Allen and right above Odell Beckham Jr., but this list was a was a big talking point, you know. It caught it caught a lot of traction through the media circles. But I don't know why, because this list is garbage, bro. This list is garbage, bro. And not even talking about Terry McLaurin. In what world is Allen Robinson better than Julio Jones and Stephon Diggs? What? What? Like, bro, in what world is Allen Robinson better than Julio Jones and Stephon Diggs? Who led the league in catches and yards this past season. Bro, what? PFF, PFF y'all should slap yourselves, bro. 
for Trey McCoy at this point. Like, what are y'all doing? I'm not even mad at the top three. Devontae Adams, dog. Like I said when I first said his name. DeAndre Hopkins, Nuke, dog. D'Angelo Hall still looking for his knees and his ankles. Dog. Tyreek Hill, freak. What do you want, like a 3.940? Like, I'm, I'm not mad at that. But then you tell me that Allen Robinson is the next best receiver behind them guys. Bro, 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 bro. And then, and then, so, 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 Stephon Diggs is eighth. So, you telling me that A.J. Brown is better than Stephon Diggs, bro? What are you basing this off of, bro? I need somebody to answer these questions. I need somebody to answer these questions. Because I said Bleeding B&G, we try to give you some insight. We try to give you some in-depth info. I need something from y'all, bro. Because I look like it looked like that y'all just made this list to get some some track, like, to get, get your name hot again. And like I said, I love y'all. Y'all hot. I shouldn't have said it again. Y'all pretty hot. But this list is hot garbage. That's what this list is. Hot garbage. This list is poo. Y'all know that's one of my favorite words. Because the Philadelphia Eagles this season, they're going to be poo. Go back to the schedule release if you don't know about that reference. But this list is poo. Like, bro, Justin Jefferson, one-hit wonder. I love him. He's a top-ten receiver already over Mike Evans, who's tied. Who, I, I just saw a stat the other day. What, what did, did he just break the record for most consecutive 1,000-yard seasons to start in his NFL career? So Justin Jefferson better than him, bro. That's what you're telling me, bro. That's what you're telling me, bro. Trey McCoy is the best, the, the best receiver in the NFC East. Debate your mother. So I'm already telling you that Amari Cooper shouldn't be ranked ahead of Terry McLaurin. I'm already telling you that, bro. Terry McLaurin put up more catches and damn near the same amount of yards with no weapons on the outside. With Dwayne in the strip club, in the club, Haskins. RoboCop, Alex Smith, and Cal Allen. Like, what don't y'all understand about this? And this is my biggest gripe on this list. How the hell is A.J. Brown 11 spots higher than Terry McLaurin, bro? How? How? Somebody got to explain it to me, bro. A.J. Brown, through his two years, through his two years in the NFL, 122 receptions. 2,126 yards, 19 touchdowns. That's where he's edging out Terry McLaurin by a lot. But he has Ryan Tannehill. He's getting those red zone opportunities. Don't get me wrong. A.J. Brown has a lot of deep touchdowns. But he's getting a hell of red zone opportunities with Derrick Henry, bro. It's context. You got to give me context. Compare that to a guy like Terry McLaurin with 145 catches, 23 more catches. 2037 yards, less than 100 more yards, or, or uh, less less than 100 less yards. A.J. Brown passed him in the last game of the season. We also got to remember that Terry finished the last month of the season with two high ankle sprains. Contacts, bro. And I, like I said, the one the one wide gap is the touchdowns. But we got to look at the amount of red zone touches that Tennessee gets compared to Washington, especially this past season. Terry McLaurin had to fight for every touchdown that he got. Except the one when he blew by Trayvon Diggs. Oh, my God. He ain't had to fight for that one at all. But, like, bro. No. PFF. Y'all got to y'all gotta explain something to me, PFF. Y'all have to. Y'all have to. At Bleeding BNG. At Stunning Showtime. Y'all got to say something. Jalen Morgan on YouTube. I need some explanation. I need some explanation. 
I love Ken and I, like, bro, like, bro. I'm not even gonna do this. I'm not even gonna do this. I'm not even gonna do this. I need to. I need to calm down, cause I'm about to start talking about other receivers that I don't even care about. Like, I, I need to. I need to simmer down. I appreciate you guys for tuning in to episode 16 of the Bleeding BNG podcast. I need to go simmer down. So as always, please go. Please go sub- subscribe to our YouTube page. You can search at Bleeding Burgundy and Go or at Bleeding BNG or Jalen Morgan on YouTube. Our videos should pop up under any of those. And then follow us on our Instagram page. I'm about to spell it handy for you guys. And I'll drop the tag for my YouTube fam. That's at Bleeding BNG. B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. B-N-G. Or follow our Twitter where we give you the most in-depth the most recent updates, we're, we're, we're always in the know, you know. Follow our Twitter where you'll get the quickest post um, regarding anything Bleeding BNG. And that handle is at B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. And as I said, please subscribe to our YouTube page. Please leave a comment. Leave any feedback wherever you can on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment on our YouTube page. Anywhere where you can leave feedback is greatly appreciated. Leave a five-star rating, please, please. And if you don't feel like you need to leave a five-star, leave whatever you feel like is appropriate. I thank you guys for tuning in to episode 16 of the Bleeding BNG podcast, but I need to go cool out. I'll see you guys later. Peace.